this week's message is essentially, it's a separate message, but an extension. I'm going to continue on healing, physical healing, but as you're going to see, this message is actually applicable. The principles in this message are applicable to anything, anything in regards to breakthrough in the kingdom. And so this is an important message. When I say important, I guess any message that's from the Bible is important, but when I say that in my life, this, is, this uh, message has really helped me out, and so I'm excited to share it with you guys. This is, this is something that when I was uh, kind of newer in the things of the Spirit, I thank God that he led me to, to kind of uh, in a season of, of immersing myself in the Word of Faith movement, different people from that, uh, that movement, and I thank God for that season because there's some amazing revelation that came out of that movement that I think every believer should have. I really do. Like faith, authority in Christ, that sort of thing. And this message, how many of you have ever known somebody who got a healing and then lost it? Okay, like almost half of us it looks like. How many of yourself have got healed and lost it? Okay, about a quarter of us. This message, the point of this message is how to keep your healing. How to keep your healing, okay? From a biblical standpoint. How, because um, it's unfortunate, but I know people who lost their healing, and then it's really confusing, isn't it? It's like, wait, God, I thought God healed me. How come it came back? I, we're going we're gonna to talk about why it comes back, how it comes back, and how you defend yourself so that it doesn't come back, okay? And so sometimes... People receive divine healing, and they feel well for a while. Then the symptoms come back, and then they can even get worse than before, right? That's confusing. Why does this happen? It doesn't even make sense, right? I thought God healed me. And so um, the purpose, I already said this, but the purpose of this week's message is to address how this happens and to help those who have been healed to stay healed. Now, uh, I hope that, you know, uh, this message you'll at least... You know, I understand that sometimes you hear messages and then you can, like, in the near future forget them. But I'm hoping this will stay with you so that if you ever get healed, you can go back to this. Or you know someone who got healed, you can go back to this and be like, okay, here. Here is, uh, I'm going to equip you to, this is how you keep your healing, okay? Or at least, I mean, here's some, some scriptures you can use uh, if that ever happens. Now, like I said, this applies to more than just healing. So this is a really practical message. Even though I'm focusing on healing, this goes for any breakthrough you get. Any breakthrough you get in God, these principles apply, okay? So it's one thing to receive something from God, and it's another thing to maintain it, right? So some of you might have experienced this in other ways. Maybe you got a supernatural encounter and then like in a month from the encounter, you're not experiencing God in the same way or whatever, right? Sometimes it's a battle. Sometimes you actually have to battle for the breakthrough you receive because the devil tries to steal it from you, right? Now, why do people lose their healing? That's a good question, and I'm going to try and answer that. Now, of course, there's probably more than one reason, but this is a main reason why people lose their healing. Why and how, I should say. Why and how do people lose their healing? So last week, I gave a, a, a message on the biblical basis of healing. That's why if you weren't here and you're interested, I'd recommend that you at least get the notes because I went through a whole bunch of scriptures showing that not only is it God's will to heal, 
Not only did, is Jesus Christ, right, he's the exact representation of the Father. He healed all who came to him. He healed every sickness and disease. He gave that ministry to us, and he actually commanded us to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils. And so we're supposed to be operating in this, and I, give a, I gave a scriptural foundation on that and talking about how it's God's will to heal, how healing's in the atonement, and it's important that we get founded and rooted in the truth of scripture because um, as you're going to see later on in this message, that is critical for keeping your healing. Critical. That you get founded in the word of God. Now, I hope after you heard that message, or even if you didn't, you know that sickness is the enemy. Okay? Sickness is not of God. It's of the devil. And I showed you scriptures that explicitly say that. Right? Like Acts 10.38. That God, Jesus was anointed of God with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good to all who were oppressed by the power of the devil. In other words, it was the devil who authored the sickness and Jesus went and set people free from the devil's oppression. So it was the devil who's putting sickness on people, not God. Now, one thing I want to say is that Jesus dealt with sickness in the same way he dealt with demons. We talked a little bit about this last week. He, he treated sickness like it was the enemy, and that's how we're supposed to treat it. And that's why it's important to get founded in the, in the truth that it's God's will to heal you, because if you're not sure, that's, that's one way that you uh, won't have confidence in praying for people, because, oh, maybe it's God's will that this person's sick. But if you can get it in your heart that it's not God's will, and that you treat it like the enemy... Like, you're a police officer, and you're, right, you're out to get the works of the devil. You treat sickness like an enemy, like it was a demon. And we talked a little about uh, the prayer of authority and command last week. I'm going to talk a little bit about it more today because it's so applicable. But one thing I want to say is this. About a fourth of all the sickness Jesus dealt with in the scriptures were caused by demons. Okay? Now, this, in our modern culture, don't, um, we are really rational and we don't often attribute sickness to demons, right? We, we have biological cause reasons and so forth and explanations. The fact of the matter is it's biblical that a lot of sickness is caused by demons. Not all sickness, of course. If all sickness was, then all the, de- the, the healings in the Bible would be demons, right? But it, it, we have to come to terms with the fact that often sickness is actually demonic oppression. And you have to cast out demons. If it's demonic, then you, you treat it differently than if it's just a biological cause, right? Because you're, you're not dealing, you're dealing with a demon, Okay, so Jesus, now, now this is important for a couple of reasons. One is this. There's an important teaching in scripture that I'm going to talk about. Jesus gave us a clue as to why and how people can get worse after they've been healed, especially if the cause was demonic. Okay, now I'm going to just show you this scripture. Uh, when I read it, you'll probably be like, oh yeah, I know that scripture. But we're talking about healing, so I want you to think about it in the context of healing now, okay? So this is Luke eleven fourteen and 15. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. So in other words, in Matthew's version, in Matthew 12, it says the guy was mute and blind, and it says Jesus healed him. So 
They're, they're using driving out demons and healing interchangeably in the scripture because that was the root cause of his muteness. Okay, so Jesus drove out the demon and then the guy who was mute spoke. So in other words, he was healed, right? So it was a demon that was causing him to be sick. Now, verse 15, it said, but some of them said by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he's driving out demons. I just included that so you know it's because he drove out the demon, the guy was healed. Now, Jesus then goes into this teaching about demons, um, but I just, for all intents and purposes, this is in the same teaching, just want to fast forward to verse 24 and 25, okay? So that whole portion of scripture, he deals with demons and stuff. That's another story for another day. But what I want to talk about today is, look, verse 24, when an in, this is Jesus speaking, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I'll return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. Here's the point. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. You see that? Now, you can, the condition. So, I just, in this teaching, right before this, he drives out a demon that was causing muteness, right? And he, so what's the condition that would get worse if the demon came back? The muteness, the sickness, right? That's what I'm saying. The condition is worse than it was at first. Now, you know what's sick about this? This is apparently true. Um, some of the people at International House of Prayer, and I'm guessing this happens more than just there, but we know this happens there. Witches, people who are into witchcraft, go there to get delivered because they know this principle and they want more demonic power. So they actually go to get delivered so they get more demons. That's their intent. Isn't that crazy? So even witches know this principle and they do it. It's weird. Okay, so we need to be, we don't want to be ignorant of this. We want to know, we want to know that this happens so that we can defend ourselves against it, right? So that this doesn't happen to us. If we get healed, that it wouldn't get worse. Now, I understand, well, the point is that Jesus tells us that people's conditions can get worse after they're delivered, or in this case, healed, if it's causing a sickness, if they're not prepared to keep their deliverance, okay? Now, like I already said, although not all sicknesses are caused by demons, okay, for sure, so I want to make that clear. I'm not saying that. Now, if it is, this is particularly applicable, right? Because you can see how the sickness can get worse if you get delivered and you don't defend your deliverance. But, oh, if people aren't prepared to battle to keep their healing, then the devil will often take advantage and put the sickness back on them. It's the same principle for healing. Even if the healing's not a demon. That's my opinion, but I really believe it. And in fact... I would go as far as to say this. Now, this is my opinion. So take it with a grain of salt. My opinion. My opinion is that sometimes people don't get healed because God knows they're not prepared to defend the healing. So it's his mercy they don't get healed because if they got healed, they would lose it and potentially get worse. I think that's one reason why some people don't get healed. God wants them at the place where they can defend the healing. And, and today I'm going to show you how, Okay. So that's my opinion, but regardless if that's wrong, for sure, if it's demonically caused, that's the case, that it can get worse, okay? So therefore, it's imperative to know that the, the devil's strategies, he, he uses the same or similar strategies. It's, he, he's really predictable with healing, 
okay, so that you can defend yourself against him and counterattack if he tries to steal your healing. So how does the devil steal your healing? That's a good question, right? Because you need to know how he does it so you can be wise to his schemes and defend yourself. So I'm going to talk at least a little bit about that right now. Now, sometimes when we get a signal, like I said earlier, this is applicable to more than just healing. This is any breakthrough you get, okay? The devil's going to try and steal it because he doesn't want the kingdom to advance, right? And so anytime you get a breakthrough, today we're talking about healing, so that's the focus, but any breakthrough, like I said, you can apply these principles to. The devil will try to destroy that breakthrough and steal it from us. Now this is John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's all the devil does. Okay, you see that? He's coming to steal your healing, steal your breakthrough, to kill and to destroy the work of the kingdom. But I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's Jesus. So, right, you just look at the fruit of what's happening. You can tell whether it's the devil or not, or or the Jesus. Because Jesus came to give life, not to steal, kill, and destroy like the devil did. does. So in regards to healing, now he's sneaky, and we know that. He is a sneaky devil. Okay? So what he does, this is how he tries to steal it from people. And this is so common. I could, I could roll off a bunch of stories, and maybe I will. This is the, he does the same thing. Okay, This is at least one strategy he does. What he does is he bluffs people with symptoms to try and convince them they weren't really healed. Okay, so example. Say you got migraines. You get a significant healing, and you're healed. Like, say you had even... Like, it's just a daily thing. You have migraines, then they go away. Then for, like, months, you're totally healed. Then one day, what happens? You get a headache. You go, wait a minute. I thought I was healed. I guess I wasn't. I thought God healed me. I guess that's a common response, right? So as the minute the symptoms come back, that's what the, it's, sometimes it's the devil. It's not even real. He's lying to you to try and get you out of faith to steal it. Okay. So he's the one putting that on you. So you say that, oh, I thought the Lord healed me. I guess he didn't. As soon as you say that, you open the door, potentially. Why? Because you accept the symptoms, and then that gets you out of faith, and he actually puts the sickness back on you. Does that make sense? Because the whole point is to undermine your faith that the Lord actually healed you. And you have to stay in faith that the Lord healed you. It's a battle. And he's so sneaky, he does this constantly. I remember a story, I'll give you a couple stories just to illustrate it. A story of this woman, this is back in the 70s. She had this rare disease, like she, no, no doctors could figure out what it was. She actually, she's from, I think, New York State, went to, had to go to New York City to a specialist. And he said, good news, bad news. Good news is we found out what it is. Only seven or eight people in docu- have been documented to ever have this condition ever so we found out what it was but the bad news is you have at most 10 years to live and there's no cure bad news isn't it so she goes to a Catherine Coleman meeting in Pennsylvania Catherine Coleman gets a word of knowledge points her out in a meeting and says there's a woman over here who has a condition and she was told that only seven or eight people have ever had it you're healed and she was totally healed awesome Goes home, healed for months, completely healed of this. 
And sure enough, symptoms get, eventually come back and even get worse. So she goes, this is Kenneth Hagin telling us, she goes to Kenneth Hagin and says, what happened? And he says, I'll tell you what happened. This is exactly what happened. The devil put those symptoms back on you so you would not believe you were actually healed, and then he stole it from you. And he said, if you sit under my teachings for a month, you'll get healed again, and then you'll learn how to keep that healing. And sure enough, she followed him around as he was preaching for about a month, and she got healed again, and then she kept it because she knew the principle of how to keep it and how to battle once that happens. There's another story of this man. He had a deformed leg, and one leg was like four inches smaller than the other, and I think his foot was in, turned inward, uh, totally deformed. Then he got healed at a Kenneth Hagin meeting, and he was walking one day. This is months later, and he, all, out of nowhere, he's just walking down the street. He gets this pain in his foot, and then his foot starts turning inwards and deforming again. It was the devil. And he, <laughs> he stopped. He knew better. He said, no, you don't, devil. I was healed in Jesus' name. You get out of here. And it, and it totally left. I want us to be at the place where we'd have that confidence and knowledge knowing if and when the devil tries to steal your healing, you know what's going on, and then you counterattack so that it doesn't happen. Okay? And like I said, I thank God for uh, teachers like that because I learned this Years ago, and I, I got healed once, and that happened to me, and I battled, and it went away, because that's exactly, I knew better, and I'm like, I bet you the symptoms will come, and it did. That's why I want to equip you guys, because if this ever happens to you, whether it's healing or not, you'll know this, and know how to counterattack. It's warfare, and it often happens. What I don't want you, <laughs> Kenneth Hagin used to say, like, there's people who come up to him, I don't know what happened, I was healed and then the symptom came back, and Kenneth would say, let me guess. Right when they came back, you said, I thought the Lord healed me. I guess he didn't. And people would be like, are you a psychic? How did you know? That's exactly what I said. Because the devil's so predictable, that's what happens. And then people say that, right? And so we want to, if that happens, you don't want to say that and get, out, get into doubt. You want to stay in faith and, and counterattack. Okay. So, key point Satan will take advantage of what you don't know, okay? That's why I'm trying to equip you so you know this, so, that, so now you, you'll be on to him if he tries to steal and deceive you that you weren't healed, okay? So he takes advantage and puts symptoms back on people. So instead of rising up and meeting the devil with the word of God and commanding his power to be broken, people often yield and accept the symptoms, why? Because they don't have a solid foundation in God's word in their lives to counterattack with, and that's a key. That's why I was saying, if you're interested in this, and you don't, I mean, there's a million resources on healing, so you don't have to get my message last week. My point is, if you do, I have a bunch of scriptures to convince you and show you it's God's will to heal, because that's half the battle, right? If you have a solid foundation in God's word in regards to healing, then you can be equipped and counterattack when this happens, standing on the word of God saying, no, by his wounds I have been healed. This isn't God, this is the devil, right? So you need to have that in your heart. Uh, the truths in regards to healing or whatever it is you're having to battle for. I'm talking about healing. It could be other things like I said too, okay? So... We talked about this uh, scripture before, but I want to talk about it in a little bit of a different way in, in context of what we're talking about right now. This is Matthew 7, 24 to 27, talking about having a foundation in the word of God. 
Okay, so Jesus says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had his foundation on the rock. But the everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Key point, if we don't have a firm foundation in the word of God, in that context, the words of Jesus, we can become like the person who built their house on the sand, and when the storm came or comes, it destroys it. You see the connection? You need to have a firm foundation in the word of God in whatever area, this, in this case healing, so that when the winds come, you will not be destroyed. It will not be destroyed by the devil. He won't steal it because you have that firm foundation in the word of God. So whenever you get healed, it's crucial to have this solid foundation in your life. Okay? About the truth about divine healing to help you fight the fight of faith and prevent the devil from, quote-unquote, stealing your healing. So how to defeat the devil? Here we go. So how do you actually do this practically? Fortunately, Jesus actually shows us, and I'll get to that in a minute. But before that, I want to show you some scriptures on how you do this. Okay? And then Jesus actually shows us from the scripture how to do this practically. Now, I'm just going to show you this, this verse. You probably know these, but 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. Be al- this is what I'm trying to do. Be alert and sober of mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He's looking for the weak people, okay, to devour them. In this case, in healing. So if he knows, okay, this person, he might test you with symptoms. See how you respond. If you're not, if you don't have a firm foundation in the word and know this, then he can devour you. So in this case, take your healing, right? He's looking for someone to devour. But if you counterattack, then he flees from you, right? It says resist him standing firm in the faith. Okay, that's the key. Resisting him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. James 4, 7. Because, right, everyone goes through this. The devil tries to attack people, right? So we, want to, we don't want to be ignorant of his devices, of his schemes. It says, I'll show you scripture. Anyway, James 4, 7 says something similar. Submit yourselves unto God. Resist the devil. Notice that's the key. Resist the devil and what? He will flee from you. But you actually have to actively resist him. Okay? How do you resist him? I'm going to give you keys, but there, there's the key there in verse 9 in 1 Peter 5. Standing firm in the faith is how you resist him. And then he'll have to flee from you eventually. Okay? So fortunately, we don't have... We don't have the scripture equips us, right? It says, for everything pertaining to life and godliness, 2 Peter chapter 1. Okay? So we, the scripture gives us the keys of how to do this, of how to defeat the devil. Okay? So, when he attacks us, you resist him by standing firm in your faith and count, you have to counterattack with the word of God. It, it's really that simple, okay? And I'm going to show you this scripturally so, so you can have the, okay, so how do you defeat the devil? I'm going to talk about the armor of God, okay? Ephesians 6, 8 through, 10 through 18. Now, this isn't just some like, 
this is really practical, and you're going to see that in a minute. This isn't just some, like, symbolic, you know, I'm going to, this is really practical, how we defeat the devil through the armor of God. Okay, so this is, I'll just read this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Right? One of his schemes is to steal your healing, to steal, kill, destroy, right? So, so how, do you, how do you defeat him in this? You put on the armor of God, okay? So, for our struggles not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, not if, right? When the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Verse 14, stand firm then. Now, remember 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, it says stand firm in the faith. That's how you resist him. It says the same thing here. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up, this is important, the shield of faith. Remember, that was a key in 1 Peter too, as well. Chapter 5, verse 9. Faith, standing firm in the faith. The shield of faith. Why? What does faith do? It extinguishes all the flaming arrows of the evil one. When he attacks you, that's a flaming arrow. When he puts symptoms on you, that's a flaming arrow. Right? Anytime the devil tries to attack you, it's a flaming arrow. How do you extinguish it? The shield of faith. Okay? Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and, this is also important, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Notice that's the only offensive, everything is armored, that's the only weapon you have, the fence of the Word of God. Okay? So, and, and it talks about, and then pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So those are the two I want to emphasize because I'm going to show you in a minute, that's what Jesus did when he battled the devil. Shield of faith, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So this is, this is uh, what I wanted to show you from scripture. I love this because Je- Jesus shows us how to de- defeat the devil clearly in the scripture. And he uses the armor of God. Okay? So Jesus, uh, um, again, how do you defeat the devil? Jesus is our example. So I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. This is a well-known verse. This is when Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist. Okay? He says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice, this is important, a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. That's the Word of God right there. I'm showing you this for, for a purpose. But just remember what's happening. That, this is my son. The very next verse, what happens? Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So he goes on a full-on attack. He has to... Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. But after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Go figure, right? I mean, goes without saying. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God... Tell these stones to become bread. What did God just tell him in the verse before? Matthew 13, 17. You're the son of God. You're my son in whom I'm well pleased. 
Look what the devil's trying to do, right? If you're the son of God, he's making him question the word of God, but he, he's also tempting him with the bread. You see that? There's two things going on here. You remember how the devil, he, the devil, like I said, he's really predictable. Remember how he got Adam and Eve to fall? Did God really say? He's doing the same thing here. You could, you could pair, did God really say you're the son of God? If so, then do this, right? So this right here is an example of a flaming arrow of the evil one. See that? Here's the devil. If you're the son of God, do this. There's the flaming arrow. Look what Jesus does. This is perfect. This is how he defeated him. Jesus answered, it is written. What's the sword of the spirit? The word of God. See what Jesus, Jesus goes to the word of God to counterattack, but also stands with the shield of faith. He uses the scripture of the shield of faith too. So he says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So this is, again, the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. Now, I want to just elaborate a little bit on this, because this is, this is so amazing. I mean, if you think about Jesus' response, this is really wise. I mean, go figure with Jesus, right? I mean, he's wisdom personified. But like I said, Jesus is tempting him in two ways. His identity is the son of God. He's getting him, trying to get him to doubt and question his, are you really the son of God? If so, do this. Right? If you're the son of God, do this. So he's getting him to question his identity as a son of God, but also to prove that he is the son of God by doing something miraculous. Okay? So remember, God just finished saying, you're my son. Then the devil says, Did, really? If you're this, really this, if you're really healed, right, then why do you feel this headache? Right? I, I mean, I'm just using this as a, as a principle. What the devil will come to you? Did God really say that you're called to do that amazing thing? Prove it then. The second was temptation was to turn the stone into bread because remember, it just said Jesus is hungry so he could eat the bread. So the devil's clever, right? He's trying to tempt him on two grounds. Now Jesus is even more clever because with one scripture, he addresses both temptations. It's amazing. So I'm going to show you this. Oh. Before that, I say this. Jesus shows us how to defeat the devil, right? I'm just trying to hit this home so we know, right? We can leave here and remember all this. With the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. With one scripture, Deuteronomy 8.3, Jesus extinguished both temptations and he counterattacked with the word of God, okay? So watch this. Deuteronomy 8.3, this is what Jesus quotes. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, hunger temptation, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, the identity temptation, if you're the son of God. Jesus is saying here, right, this is the word, this is my son whom I love and I'm well pleased. It is this personal word that came from God's mouth that he's choosing to live on. You see, he's saying that. Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the God said I'm his son, that settles it, right? The shield of faith. I'm living on that word that God gave me, personal identity, okay? You see how he's hitting both scriptures, or temptations rather? But not only that, Jesus is also living off God's word from scripture, and he's showing this because he's quoting Deuteronomy 8.3, right? 
Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Jesus is trusting in God's personal word about his identity as his son, a shield of faith. And he's using God's word from scripture as a sword to defeat the devil. Now, I'm going to just finish this portion of scripture to show you. This is, Jesus, this is how Jesus does it. Look what the devil does. Verse 5. Then the devil took him up to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Same thing. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. Look at this. For it's written. Isn't the devil, like, like he's really sneaky. He's giving Jesus scriptures now. That, yeah, that's a common way to get people into unbelief too. The devil will try and deceive you with scriptures. Right? He will command his angels concerning you, and they'll lift you up in their hands so you not strike your foot against a stone. That's Psalm 91, if you didn't know. An amazing psalm about protection. I highly recommend you pray that regularly. But look at the devil's, isn't it written? So look at, what does Jesus do? Brilliant. Jesus answers, it is also written. Sometimes you have to use scriptures to counterattack the scriptures the devil tries to use on you. <laughs> it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Bam, the sword of the spirit, right? All right, last but not least. Verse 8, again the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. So he gave it. He's like, okay, this guy's convinced he's the son of God. Okay, fine. I'll try this now, right? Now look at verse 10. Jesus told him, away from me, Satan. Remember we talked about the prayer of authority and command? For it is written, the sword of the Spirit, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What happens? The devil left him. Then the devil left him. Remember, resist the devil and he will flee from you. How do you resist the devil? Jesus perfectly shows us. The shield of faith, standing on the word of God, counterattacking the lies of the devil with the word of God. Then it says angels came and attended him. All right. So all three times, notice as the devil tempted Jesus, he used the shield of faith to extinguish the temptation and to fight back with the sword of the Spirit. Not only did Jesus use Scripture, he used the prayer of command. I already said this, away from me, Satan. Now, these are important principles. That's why I'm, repetition is good sometimes. Away from me, Satan, at the last temptation, then the devil left him. So that's another key that we need to know how to battle the devil. I'm going to talk about that more in a minute. So this is how we resist and defeat the devil. The shield of faith extinguishes lies. So if he lies to you about something, oh, I guess you weren't healed. Actually, devil, 1 Peter 2.24 says, by his wounds I was healed, therefore I am healed, right? You got to counterattack the lie with scripture. So the sword of the spirit, uh, so that now, I want to say this. It says the word of God, that means personal words. But it also means scripture. So why I'm saying that is because God gave Jesus the personal word, you're the son of God, and that's, that's the word of God he's living off of, but he's also living off the scripture. Why am I saying this? Because if God gives you a prophetic personal word, you do the same thing with those. The devil will try and discourage you and say, say you have a prophetic word, you're called to be whatever, an evangelist or something. But you're working at McDonald's. 
Oh, are you really an evangelist? Right? You're, you sure don't look like it. How do you counterattack that? No. God told me, devil, that I am called to be an evangelist, and therefore I will be an evangelist in Jesus' name. Right? Same principle. And the authority and prayer of command, which is what I'm going to talk about now. Now, I talked about this last week with healing, but I just want to go from a little bit of a different angle. Okay? Because this is so important. How to defeat the devil, authority, prayer of command. Now, I talked about this last week with the Great Commission. This is Matthew 28. Remember, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. So that's our commission. Not to make converts, but disciples. So how do you make disciples? And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Everything. Not some things. Everything. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So in other words, this commission goes on forever till the end of the age. Now, what I, want, what I point out and I want to point out again is his commands are not only ethical imperatives. They also include, and this is from Matthew 10, 7, and 8, preach the kingdom, heal the sick. Jesus commanded the disciples to, right? Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. So, that's part of discipling, teaching people how to do this, doing everything he commanded them, okay? So then I asked the question, well, how do you heal? And I talked a little bit about that last week, but Jesus is our example, okay? So how do you heal? How do you cleanse the leper? How do you raise the dead? How do you cast out demons? Those are good questions, and fortunately, Jesus shows us. So I just took some isolated scripture showing how Jesus did this, right? So here's one, and, and this is the point. His prayers were short, mostly two words in the imperative tense of the verb, so a command. So remember I told you last week, Jesus never told us to pray to the Father for the sick. In fact, he never even said pray for the sick. He said heal the sick. Now we just fill that in and be like, that must mean pray for them. No. He says lay your hands on the sick and they'll recover. He doesn't say anything about prayer there, does he? But my point is, not to say like it's not wrong to pray to the Father, but the point is, and I said this last week, there's a lot of people, when they get this revelation and shift from praying like, God, please heal this person, you know, beg God, to be healed in Jesus' name, they find it's way more effective. Like John G. Lake, he said his ministry blew up with healings when he got this revelation and quit praying, God, please heal this person, to be healed in Jesus' name, to this command, then he said, we saw way more sicknesses, way more often healed, right? It just was a huge breakthrough. So that's why I want to emphasize this. It's important. Because remember Moses, when he, <laughs> Moses is a good example. He has the staff of authority, right? And, and the e Egyptian army is behind them, like trying to kill them. And there's the Red Sea in the way. What does he do? Probably what we would all do. Pray to God, God, do something. And remember what God said? He's like, what do you mean? I gave you the staff. You do something. I'm paraphrasing, right? And that's what God's saying to us. He's like, I gave you authority. I told you to heal the sick. What more do you want from me? You do it, right? And that's why it's important for us to get the revelation God commanded us to do is that we just go do it by faith because he gave us the power and the authority to do so. And I talked about that last week. So here's an example from Mark 7, 34 and 35. Jesus healing the sick. Just one scripture. He looked up to heaven with a deep sigh and said, Ephephatha, which means be opened. There's Jesus' prayer. Be open. 
What happens? At this, the man's ears were open, his tongue was loose, and began to speak plainly. Because he was deaf and mute. That's it. Be open. It's not simple. Right? Now, look at this. My, my whole point is, okay, J- Jesus commanded us to do all these things. Look, it's the same thing in all these different ways. Cleanse the lepers is another thing we have to do. Well, how do we do that? Look, Jesus shows us. Matthew 8, 13. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Said, I'm willing. He said, be clean. Immediately use cleanse of leprosy. Isn't that simple? He didn't pray in tongues for an hour. He didn't soak for eight hours and then say, God, please heal this guy. He just said, be healed. That was it. Not anything wrong with praying in tongues. I, I hope you hear my heart. I'm not... I'm just trying to make the point. Jesus, two words, that's it. It'll save you a lot of energy and time just doing it this way. Raise the dead, same thing, right? John 8, uh, sorry, 11.43. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And he raised from the dead. Cast out demons, same thing. Luke 4.35. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly, come out of him. Then the demon threw the man uh, down before him and all came out, injuring him, and he, uh, he was healed. Out. Anyway, you see, is there a common denominator? Two words <laughs> took care of all these things that we're supposed to do. Okay? And that's how we defeat the devil. Well, there's a point in all this. When we, not only when we pray for people, but when he attacks us, it, you just counterattack with, no, I am healed in Jesus' name, right? It's pretty simple. Now look at Luke 10, 19. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all, not some, all the power of the enemy. Jesus gave us authority to overcome every single thing the enemy would try and put on anyone ever. Okay? Nothing will harm you. We just got to believe these things that seem unbelievable. Jesus said it's true. So Jesus was always giving the order, and that's how we should do it too. If Jesus gives you the same authority, he expects you to use it like he did. Commanding things. Be healed, be open, right? Same way Jesus did, he's telling us to do it. So when you realize that you operate under Christ's delegated authority, you will speak to diseases, to demons, to conditions. Tell them what to do in Jesus' name, and they'll do it. Right? It's the same. Like, Jesus did the same thing with the storm. Be quiet. Peace be still. And that storm goes away. It's the same principle, right? It's the authority prayer of command. You're telling the sickness what to do as if it was a person, as if it was an enemy. Okay. So, I'm going to just give you a couple examples. The Bible says to resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Remember James 4, 7. So, yours to resist anything that's of the devil and you're resisting the devil, okay? So when doubt comes, because doubt is definitely the opposite of faith, you speak to the doubt, <laughs> right? You have to get used to this because it feels weird at first. Doubt, I resist you and I refuse it in Jesus' name, or I refuse to doubt, whatever. There's no formula, but you see what I'm saying. It's the commanding it to go. When fear comes, speak to it. Say, fear, I resist you or I refuse to fear in Jesus' name. And then you can give scriptures, Right? God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of the sound mind. Right? You use scripture to counterattack. When sickness comes, like I, this is the whole point with the healing. Speak to the sickness. Say, sickness, I refuse to be sick. I refuse sickness. I resist you in Jesus' name. You must go. There you go. And it'll leave because you have that right. Scripturally, biblically, God gave you the authority and power to do that. 
right? You command it to go. So, just to wrap this up, what should we do in light of all this? I hope from all my repetition, you'll know, but I'm going to give you a summary anyway. So people who get healed need to be get established in the word of God if they're going to stay healed or delivered or fill in the blank. Okay? You must learn to stand in faith and counterattack with the word of God and the prayer of command. You must learn to say, devil, <laughs> you can't put that back on me. The Lord has healed me. I won't accept it back in Jesus' name or whatever, right? I'm just giving you examples. You do how you feel. It's not the words. It's the authority and power that Jesus gave you that counts. So the key point is you, this is important. Be prepared in advance, right? That's like Peter, 1 Peter 5, 8 exhorts us. Be sober and alert because the adversary, the devil, walks out like a lowering lion seeking who may devour. So it's important for us to be alert and aware. Okay, I got healed. There, there's a, now, I don't want to say every time, but there's a good chance he might try and steal it. So don't be unaware of his devices. Instead, in advance, have a scriptural foundation in, in this case, divine healing. Meditate on the scripture. Feed on it. Put it in your spirit until you believe it without a shadow of a doubt. Until you believe it like it's, it's like your salvation. Like if someone asked, how, are you saved? And you say, yeah. And they say, how do you know? I know that I know that I know. Right? You just know. It's the same with any principle that you have to, if you're established, okay, it's God's will to heal, that it's part of the atonement, all these things we talked about last week, then you'll have that truth so lodged in your spirit. If the devil tries to convince you otherwise, no way. You know, Kenneth Hagin, um, who was really the father of the Word of Faith movement, a lot of these teachings and principles from him, um, he was supernatural. He had divine health for whatever 83 minus 16 is. How many years is that? Anyone good at simple math? Thank you. What, 67, you said? 67 years of divine health. Never was sick. He was on his deathbed when he was 16. He learned principles. Anyway, he got healed, and he stayed in divine health for that many years. Never got sick. 67 years. Why? Because he had such a firm foundation in the truth of healing. If the devil ever came to him, that's what he'd say. He'd be, no, in Jesus' name, and then you just quote scripture, right? First Timothy, or sorry, First Peter two twenty four says, "By his stripes I was healed. If I was healed, I am healed. So I am healed, and you got to get these symptoms off me." And the devil would leave. So the devil would try, but because he right, and that's where the place we want to get at, that we have such a solid foundation in these truths that if and when the devil tries to convince us otherwise, there's no way. Like Jesus said, "No way, you're not going to convince me. I am the Son of God." All right. So when you got this truth, then you can put the devil to run every time. If temptation comes, like Jesus showed us, if pain comes, instead of being afraid and panicking, you'll just declare his word and the symptoms will leave. Now, I compiled a list of scriptures. Can I get the ushers to come up here? Yesterday I compiled a two-page list of scriptures about the truth of healing from the Old and New Testament for you guys. So if you could just hand that out. And this is to put in your arsenal, so to speak. This is the sword of the Spirit. Because unless you're Kenneth Hagin and others like him, 
The devil will probably, you'll, there's times you'll probably have to use this either for you or for a loved one. Okay? And so these scriptures, I mean, it's not exhaustive. I put a lot of healing scriptures. I'm you know, sure there's more. But here you go. When the devil comes, you say, no, according to Exodus 15, 26, Jehovah Rapha, he is the Lord who heals me. I'm healed in Jesus' name. Or the, my personal favorites are Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, where it says he took our infirmities and he bore our sicknesses, right? And at the end of verse 5, it says, by his wounds we are healed. Then in Matthew, what is it, 18, 17, it says this was to fulfill uh, Isaiah the prophet. By his, or he took up our infirmities and bore our diseases, saying that that scripture is about healing that it's part of the atonement, that he healed everyone and cast out all the devils because this is part of the atonement and he's fulfilling that prophetic word. 1 Peter 2.24, quoting Isaiah 53, by his wounds you were healed, past tense. Could I have one of those, Caroline? So, so I just, you don't have to memorize these by any means, but pick some favorites and just, you know, it doesn't hurt to memorize them. So if the devil tries to come back, you just can say it. But it doesn't, you don't have to. You can just get this list and say, no, devil, whatever. Just Now, um, how many of you knew, uh, know Joel Osteen? I that, probably don't have to ask that. I don't know if you know this. His mom got cancer. I, I don't know if it went to stage four. It might have in 1980. And, and she has this little booklet, Healed from Cancer. She got miraculously healed. And she had a list of scriptures. A lot of these might be from there. My mom bought a bunch of those books. Um, but I just, from different teachers, compiled this list. And, you know, this is what she would do. You, do, you can do different things. You can pray them. You can put them into the first person, right? And declare them, like, by his stripes, I am healed, rather than you are healed, right? Make them personal. Meditate on them. She said what she used to do is... You see in Exodus 23, 25, the second one, worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on your food and water and I'll take sickness away from the midst of you. She used to pray. That was her grace. Before every supper, she'd say, thank you, Lord, that you bless my food and water and you'll take all sickness away from the midst of me. Right? You can be creative like that. Why not? And, and this kind of teaching, like I said, is important. When we were in Lakeland, Florida, that's where Trisha and I met, by the way, in 2008, lots of healings going on. Um, thank God for Ignited Church. They had Kenneth, has, Kenneth Hagen has his little booklet, How to Keep Your Healing. And you could buy five for $5 or something. But just stuff like this. Just, I mean, this is just basic principles. But you can pray these, right? Pray them for a loved one. Just whatever you want. But I, I have the scriptures as they are. So I'm just saying you can modify and make them personal, meditate on them. But, but like I said, this will be helpful for you, especially if you're contending for healing, to get these truths on healing. Because look, both old and new covenant. I mean, come on, you can't, there's just no way around the fact that God wants to heal you, right? And that's, it's, there's so many promises in scripture as part of the atonement. Um, but that's why I wanted to give it to you so you can have this list. So if and when the devil comes, there you go. You have it to, to, to use as the sword of the spirit. And I just have a couple examples. You can say to the devil, the word says that Jesus took up my infirmities and bore my diseases, so get away from me, devil, or whatever, right? Or by his wounds, I am healed in Jesus' name. And sometimes you just got to declare it and declare it and declare it and just meditate and declare it, right? Because the devil, sometimes it'll, the symptoms will leave like that, but other times you got to do it for a few weeks or whatever until finally he flees from you, right? It took Jesus three times there. All right. 
So when you, you know these scriptural truths in your spirit and truly believe them, the devil will have no power over you. Now, um, I just thought I would end on this. Here's, if you want these notes, I just got this one from a Kenneth, that little Kenneth Hagen booklet. I thought this was good. But here's a, an example of a confession you can say over yourself or whatever if the devil attacks. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I exercise authority over this body of mine. Sickness and disease, I refuse to allow you to stay. This body, this house belongs to God. It is a temple of God, Satan. You have no right to trespass on God's property. Now you get out. You leave my body. I've got authority over you. I know it. You know it. And God knows it. I hold fast to what I have. I'm keeping my healing in Jesus' name. There you go, right? Now there's no formula, but there's an example for you. So like I said, we send out the notes on the Joyful Tidings newsletter, so you, uh, you'll have these notes on that, or look on our Facebook page, you can get them. But here's just some examples for you, and that's all I wanted to do is equip you so you're not aware of the devil's schemes. Now last week, I want to do this again. If you were here last week, what we did is we had an a, a application. What am I looking for? Is that the right word? Activation, thank you. All these A words. Okay, <laughs> activation. I, I went over John Wimber's five-step model of healing, and we won't bother going over that again, but I want us to pray for each other, right? Because that's the point. Empowering and the anointing, equipping the saints. Um, the point of these messages is to make them practical so we can pray for each other, okay? So what I want to do, if you want, if not, uh, you, like, you can leave. I ble- Like, you know, if you got to leave and that sort of thing, totally cool. We have hospitality in the left uh, coffee and snacks if you want to socialize and stuff. But if you want healing and you want to practice praying for people, I encourage you to stay and let's pray for each other using Scripture, the authority, prayer of command, declaring healing. Pick a couple verses and, and declare it over the person. And we'll just practice, okay? So how many people need healing or want to get prayed for? Pray for. Okay. About half of us. Why don't you stand up, and then if there's people around them, and you're willing to do this, and you're willing to pray, uh, go to that person, uh, whoever wants this prayer for healing, just put up your hand again and stand up, and we'll have people go to you, and let's just practice this. Now, it was awesome. Last week, we did this, and someone was healed, like, in a couple minutes. Hey, Joe, where your jaw was healed. Anyway, so this worked, right? Your jaw was healed last week, right? Like in a minute, yeah. Isn't that awesome? This works. I mean, go figure. So, so we're going to believe for this, um, and we'll just do this for however long. And again, if you got to go, we just bless you to go. If you want ministry for anything else, we have ministry team up here uh, that'll pray for you. But uh, bless you in Jesus' name, and go and be healed. <laughs> Amen.